Hi everyone, my name is Natalie Ledwell and this is The Inspiration Show. Today on the show I have a very special guest who has written a new book uh, which is kind of like a manual for life. Uh, I know that uh, with the book she has a lot of her own personal experiences which are, some of them are quite funny as well and I think that we it's a, they're stories that we can all put ourselves into but it really helps you uh, to be able to create a, your own story you know, and take responsibility for your personal development, which is fantastic. But before I introduce my special guest today, let me just remind you that after the show is over, uh, if you click on the link below this video, um, you can take my 30-second quiz so we can figure out what's holding you back from success. So please help me uh, welcome my special guest, Kelly McGrath-Martinson. How are you, Kelly? Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. So great to have you here. So your book is called A Year of, uh, A Year of Inspired Living. So tell me the story behind the book and how you got to actually, you know, putting this together and writing it. Yeah, so I'd been writing this book, um, and it really wasn't a book when I first started writing it. It was really more um, writing to myself. I published a magazine, a wellness magazine called Natural Awakenings, and I was required to do publisher letters. And these publisher letters, I would write sort of really letters to myself on any topic. You know, if I was doing a February magazine, it would be about love. And maybe I'd talk about loving myself a bit more or maybe about, you know, handling my partner with more love, those kind of things. But I was always sort of talking to myself. The response I got from the letters was kind of overwhelming. People kept saying, oh, you're talking to me or you've hit the nail on the head. So then I started compiling the letters and expanding on them and created this book. And for a while I sat in my closet and I didn't send it out to publishers because I kept saying, oh, it's really not ready. I just, I didn't know what it was that made it not ready. And it dawned on me that self-development is self, right? Self is the key. Mm -hmm. So I needed for the reader, for that, that self, that person, to have a page to write. So on every topic that I discuss, there's pages for the reader to journal their experience with that topic. Right. So, uh, so it sounds like a very interactive, uh, um, you know, experience and it's a year of inspired living. So is it, does it take uh, the reader a year to get through the book? Well, it could, you know, it's funny because it's been out a few months now and I've had different feedback. So it's written in the way that you would take a year. Um, you would do one sub chapter a week. So it starts, you know, the book opens in January, but you could certainly open it whenever you buy it. If you buy it in February, open it in February. And there's a a letter and a topic on uh, anything. So again, February is a lot about love. Um, and then March and then April and then May and goes through. What I'm hearing from a lot of people so far is that they've read it straight through, which tells me they really like it and they want more. I like that part. <laughs> um, but that then they're going back. Uh, so that's what I've seen like on my Amazon reviews. I didn't anticipate that. I wrote it so that they would take it little by little. I wrote it to give people a chance to pause, you know, take a breath, pause, write about your experiences. But they, uh, the feedback seems to be they're reading straight through and then going back and doing the exercises. Great. So tell me some of the subjects that you cover in the book. So we cover, we, I cover everything from um, conscious eating, just being aware, you know, not mindless eating, um, exercise, death, family, heartbreak, forgiveness, and the forgiveness chapter I'm getting a lot of feedback on because it's not just forgiveness of other people, uh, but also forgiveness of maybe our own selves, maybe things that I did at 16 that I'm not proud of that are still sort of haunting me and being part of me. And uh, that chapter has seemed to 
resonate with a lot of people because I feedback on my my blog or my Facebook that they're connecting with that. I mean, but it's not all serious. I also talk about dog poop and wishing that people would pick it up. You know, so it's it's everything. It's from the there's discussion on being a PTA mom to you know the death of my sister, which was a harrowing thing, to my son being sick. Uh, it's it's uh, a bunch of stuff. <laughs> All right, so there's a couple of things you said that I want to drill down a little bit deeper on. So, well, let's talk about forgiveness because it's it's a really big, it, it is a big issue. Um, but what I heard you saying was more about forgiving yourself, you know, and getting to a place like that. So let's expand a little bit on that. Yeah. And, yeah, sure. So I don't think I even realized that I had things that I wasn't forgiving myself for until I started writing. When I started writing and started looking back, like, on my own past, my own history, you know, silly things like maybe being a bully when I was 13. Like, I think at the time I didn't even know it. I didn't have guidance. I was going along with the crowd. It's not until I have my own 13 year old and I'm witnessing it and I'm saying, oh my God, I was, you know, a little bit of a B word. It could be bully or another B word, but that's what I was. Um, and then I was angry at myself and, and still holding that, like, oh, how could I be that? And then we're angry at ourselves for other things, for mistakes we make, um, you know, and I think that everybody does it. We hold it way back here, and then it governs who we are. Then we're gun shy. Then we're not as um, our true self because we're hiding this little secret. I was a, I was not such a nice kid, or I was a brat, or I did something, or I stole from a store when I was sixteen. Whatever it is that you're just sort of ashamed of, and it can be big things. We just we hold that, and we're. I find it easier to. We find it easier to forgive others for huge transgressions against us. But the littlest thing, we'll, oh, we'll beat ourselves up over. And it's nice to say, I forgive you, Kelly, and to write it, to say, you know what, I'm going to get over it. I'm going to forgive that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you mentioned something before, which I haven't heard uh, mentioned before, is uh, minus eating. What is that? Um, mindless eating, that's what I do a lot. Um, you know, not being conscious when you're eating, you know, being in front of the TV and you're eating or being, uh, you know, on a phone call and you're eating. And, you know, one good signal for me is I love coffee. Coffee is one of my favorite things. I just enjoy my cup of coffee. And when I've realized that I've microwaved it, which I had a microwave or reboiled it or somehow heated it up for the 14th time, I realized I have just been unconscious today because I love my coffee. I should drink it while it's warm, while it's fresh. And, you know, we do the same thing with high calorie foods, you know, nachos. You say, okay, I'm just going to have one or two. I deserve that little indulgence. And then, you know, you're just not looking. You're watching Netflix. You're binging Netflix. You're binging the nachos. So conscious eating isn't really about a diet. It's not about restricting yourself. It's just being aware and, and present when you're eating. I mean, I guess we should be aware and present whatever we're doing, but I think eating <laughs> is really important. Yeah, it's like when you get one of those bags of, you know, chips or whatever it is and, you know, and it's one of those, it seems to have a hole in the bottom of it because, you know, you, you start eating one and next thing you know it's empty. You're like, hmm, what happened? You're like, where'd they go? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And then and then you have to go back to forgiving yourself for just binging like that. <laughs> <laughs> just like, um, now, I know that you do include a lot of your, uh, you know, your personal stories. Um, can you share one of them with us? Like, you know, something that you that you do get a lot of feedback on that people can really identify with. Sure. So I, um, there's a lot of different stories, but I think that the ones that I hear the, hear the most feedback on, one is a very, um, it's a funny 
funny-ish one. It's about narcissism and how as a society, you know, and I'm guilty of it too. I talk about how, you know, narcissistic I can be because I'll see something on Facebook, you know, and people put stuff on Facebook for, you know, it's for their whole fans, but you or whole friends, but you think it's about you. It's literally written to you. And um, so when I talk about that, how that the selfie generation or the selfie environment that we're living, we all think everything is about us. And I use a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt and I say, you wouldn't care what people were thinking about you if you realized how infrequently they are thinking about you. And that chapter gets a lot of, uh, you know, wow, great point. I have to remember that because we do kind of get caught up in ourselves. We get, you know, it's ego, it's narcissism. I'm guilty of it. I'm, you know, I, we just get caught up. So that chapter's really resonated. And then I've had some, like I mentioned, I've had some, I guess, uh, adversity. I've had a house going on fire. I've had Hurricane Sandy destroy a third of my house and my husband had bile cancer. Those chapters do resonate. I think um, my sister is probably the one uh, that also really resonates. Uh, my sister's 14 years older than me and so I talk about in the book that when you have a sister that's 14 years older than you, when she's you know, 21, you're seven. So there's not that much in common. And, you know, you finally, she died at 50. By the time we had stuff in common was when the cancer had taken her. And by the time we had gotten so close that our age no longer was an interference, that's when we were close and that's when she was taken away from me. Um, I talk about the grieving process, but I also talk about how initially when she was older than me, she was a gardener. And she gardened and she gardened and she used to want to talk to me about gardening. And I was like going clubbing. What would I care about a garden? I had no interest. She'd tell me about her flowers. I would be rolling my eyes on the phone. And, you know, then fast forward in my 30s, I get my own house and I have my own little garden. And, you know, just when I have my garden and need her and I need her for advice and the garden's kind of... Um, you know, analogy for my life because I was also having kids just like she did so many years ahead of me. So it was just like when I had my garden and my family and my life and my career, all these things that I needed to talk to her about, she wasn't there. And for a while, I would try not to think about her, which is sounds odd um, because it was too painful, you know. And the chapter in April about that, I really talk about n not blocking those memories and not you know, it's okay to feel pain. It's okay to miss somebody. It's okay to out of nowhere feel like you're going to cry. And it took me a while to realize that. And, you know, I, I talk in the chapter about I realize that when I'm in the garden that my, so I have a terrible garden. She had a terrific one. I have a terrible one. And yes, I blame it that she's not here. But I also think that when I'm doing the garden, I'm probably not even really looking to grow anything. I'm probably just there because that's where I feel closest to her. And I just want to hear her voice through that garden. I just want to, even even if it's just to say, really, Kelly, you called out a garden? That's what I'm there for. And that's, you know, I just say to embrace those things. And I talk about embracing the, the memories, the pictures, not to hide those things away from you, you know. Yeah. And those were probably the two chapters that yeah. really have seemed to, you know, resonate. Absolutely. And you talk about manifestation as well. What's your take on that? Asper? Sorry? Oh, you, you're, uh, you talk about manifestation as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I talk about, I believe in manifestation wholeheartedly, but 
I also, you know, so I meet a lot of people in my industry, in the natural health and wellness industry, and a lot of people, so law of attraction is something I definitely, definitely believe. You get what you put out there. Um, but in my travels, I've met some people who are so focused on the law of attraction that they forget the part about doing the work and doing, you know, putting in the effort. And, um, you know, so I always say I believe in the law of attraction light. Like, yes, we have to be grateful because if you live in a grateful there are, you know, more things to be grateful for come your way. I believe that wholeheartedly. But I think we also have to put effort and work, you know, even just writing the book was a great experience. But now I have to market it, you know, and I, I couldn't just put it out there that I want it on the bestsellers list, although I do. Um, I can't just say, oh, I want it out there and so it shall be. I have to do the interviews, meet amazing people like you, you know. So I, I do say that the law of attraction is important and critical, really, to reframing the way you think. And that if you couple that with hard work, I think success is yours to be had. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, I mean, that's a lot of what we teach about here at My Movies. You know, we talk about, yes, being able to be clear about what it is, being able to see it in your mind, um, but then taking the action so that you're creating that momentum because you don't get to meet the right people. You don't get to have those, you know, chance conversations uh, if you're sitting on the couch, you know. <laughs> right. right. It doesn't fall on your lap. <laughs> so, um, so tell me how, like, if someone's going to purchase the book, what, how do you see is the best way for them to utilise the information there? How do I see them utilizing the book? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You know, I think the ideal way to utilize it is to, when you purchase it, when you grab the book, is to identify that this book is your permission to pause. I say that a lot. I say it in the book. I say it right now. Um, people binge everything. We just talked about binging Doritos. People binge food. People binge Netflix shows, YouTube shows. We, we're such a binge society. And even what I'm seeing with this book is some people say, oh, I can't wait. I'm going to read the whole thing. So there is this sort of binge thing that I'm trying to stop with it. And I'm hoping that when they use the book, they use the blank sheets for permission to pause. And I almost actually called the book permission to pause because I think sometimes we need to provide ourselves some permission to pause to to publish ourselves, so like I, I, my analogy is I publish a magazine, right? So I pick out the picture, I pick out the covers, I pick out the articles, I put everything together that I want to use to present the, the magazine, what I wanted to say. And so the idea around this book is like, don't we all publish ourselves? You know, don't we choose the clothes we wear, the haircuts we're going to get, the words we're going to use, the religion we're going to practice? You know, we choose all of this to publish ourselves. So shouldn't we just pause and say, okay, before I move forward, I'm going to go out into this universe with a, you know, a positive outlook, with a law of attraction, you know, mindset, uh, with forgiveness of, of my own errors that are going to occur. So, you know, that's the idea of the book is really to pause and think about all the different ways you can publish yourself. Yeah, no, I agree. So, guys, the book is called A Year of Inspired Living, uh, Essays and Exercises for Self-Reflection. So, um, Kelly, where can we send people to get their hands on the book or to connect with you? Yeah, sure. So um, the book's available at Amazon.com. And it's also you can connect with me, you know, on Instagram or uh, ayearofinspiredliving.com or Facebook. I'm sort of I'm on social. I've got a what we've got a website. And Amazon is the probably the easiest way to get a book because it just clicks right through. <laughs> well, Kelly, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an awesome pleasure talking to you.
Awesome. Appreciate the time I do. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Now, guys, I encourage you to share this video. Please help us get the word out. You can do that by clicking the Facebook and the Twitter share buttons on this page. And also, oh. don't forget, um, you've got the banner to the side there, so you can go straight through to Kelly's website, um, or we have a link underneath the video. And after the show is over, don't forget, if you're watching this live on Facebook or in our YouTube channel afterwards, uh, you can just click the link below the video to take my 30-second quiz so we can figure out what's holding you back from success. So until next time, remember to live large, choose courageously, and love without limits. We'll see you soon.